0: Hey, welcome everybody to 5 Pin Universe's podcast number 36. I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. We have the low, or the, the Normals, the podcast crew, Adam Weber, Tim Wiseman, and Dexter Wiseman. And for his third time in 36 episodes, I think we might have to take a hiatus from this guy, Mitch Davies. You've done a in...
1: good job of not talking about him lately, too. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs>
0: uh, he won his third club tour title on the weekend at Neb's Fun World. They had... record number 184 entries awesome to see this weekend we had the autumn open as well in calgary they reached 200 entries a milestone for decades for sure for that tournament Um, paradise lanes put on quite the show and brian hurst was the champion which was pretty amazing so Mitch, I guess my first question to you is, uh, how did it feel to win your third title at Club Tour? And what are you expecting coming to TPC in three weeks?
2: Actually, this one was really special. Um, the fact that we were able to change the format from what we had the last year and the years past. I think we've been running Club Tour now for about eight years. And uh, this was our first time that we really took a chance on going to a new format, mimicking the one that TPC and Regina have. and it took a lot of, uh, took a lot of balls for us to do it. And, uh, I'm really appreciative to Tom and Jeff that they were able to make that change and make that and make that adjustment and just on the fly of basically my word. Cause you know, they, they don't go out there. They're big time bowlers. They're big time, uh, proprietors of the game. Um, but basically I, I had to do some big time convincing with them and thank, they they went along with it, and I was greatly appreciative of them. So this was definitely a special one to me, um, especially to win it the, the first time we we had it here, and that was that was a big one for me.
0: I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, what was the cut at uh, for the thirty second spot or thirty first spot?
2: Yeah, the thirty first spot was uh, Ryan Cowan. So I think um, they get twenty eighty six. I want to say the number is. I don't know it off by by heart but I know there was a tie at 2090, 2096, Jason Davidson and somebody else had it. Oh, John Wilcott. Um, they had a tie at 296, So I thought there was actually be a roll off, but then John Wilcott actually beat his score in the last shift, so mm. knocked it down and knocked it down to Sean Barrow. Sean Barrow was also in the cut already. So I knocked it down again. And then Ryan Cowan got the uh, last spot. Um, and then, I, uh, Jonathan Cowan actually won the consolation. And that was a new, a new factor for, uh, our province as well was doing a consolation and we had 32 people show up the 32 um, for our three game qualifier for the consolation. So I was pretty impressed with that too. It was actually pretty good participation all around all weekend with people playing the side pots, the bakers and, um, and the consolation. It was, it was good. So I yeah, the cut, I think, I think the cut was 2086. I think that was the number.
3: Yeah.
0: That That's really good. Um, I know Neb's, has been uh, notorious for really good scoring here the last little while. So um, to see a cut like that seems right on par with kind of the rest of the tournaments out west here as well. So that's uh, yes, it's pretty good.
2: So well, the cuts. I think the la- the cut last year. I think it was like nineteen sixty. Yeah, it was bad. But it's because I, like I, I don't know. They have these. They have convertibles, and I'm not going to say that they're conducive to the bad scoring. I'm not going to say that at all they've had issues in the past and they've tried to figure them out like time and time again. And then, I mean, where I first noticed these was OS West when I started coming out to these tournaments was the black bases.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: and how much better scoring has actually gotten and you see it and it makes it true, a true pinfall. I, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I brought it up to Jeff, uh, last year in November, we actually, so we didn't get the bowl, the October club tour with the black bases. It was with white bases and it was, and it's super tough. It was, Probably one of the toughest houses I've ever played, um, but then when they went the black black bases, it's been actually really good scoring consistently. And you could see it this weekend. It was the same specs as Bonnie Dune but I've never played Bonnie Dune since I was. Uh, I played it when I was 18 for YBC Nationals, so I haven't played it since um, they've gone 17 inches. But you could definitely tell there was still some times where you're like, okay, how is that not a strike? But it was way better and it was way more consistent. The new oil pattern, uh, that they put down, that was pretty cool actually, um, to see it come down. They put a video on Facebook of it last mm-hmm. week and I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it or not, but the, the oil, it was, it was really good. Like you could see, you could get that back end five, that last 10 feet. You could get that movement if you really wanted it, but if you didn't want it to, you didn't need it to, it was, it was just nice. And there wasn't like too many rings that came back on your ball. It was, a it was definitely a good
0: pattern to have. Mm-hmm. That was the thing about uh, Paradise, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but on Sunday in the 16s, there was definitely rings coming back on the bowling balls, so the lanes had dried out quite a bit by then.
2: There was rings coming back? Yeah. Well, yeah, on my not like
3: oil rings, burn marks. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say uh, burn
2: marks, right? Not like re-oiling. Marks, no, right? no, no. Burn okay. marks. <laughs>
0: yeah.
4: Yeah, I didn't notice too many of the, uh, of the burn marks, to be honest. Well, you weren't um, really sit-
0: revving the ball, Adam, you're, you're bricking it.
4: <laughs> also true. There, there should have been a little bit more roll on there. But, uh, there definitely was uh, some, some very good scoring at, at uh, the autumn. Um, definite score to be had, but if yeah, if you were off, it was Plough and Chop City. Um which is kind of the, exactly what you want from an event, right? You you want the guys that, that get hot, that that are really playing well, are scoring well, and, and taking it to the next level. So it was really fun watching uh, watching Brian Hurst. Uh, what do you average? About, almost about two eighty or something two, in that two seventy seven. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is you know phenomenal. Probably probably end up going you know eleven four or something like that in match play as well. I, I know he's playing quite well yeah. there. Um, also. Um, a lot of kickbacks, if you guys notice too, yeah. right? Which is kind of, kind of, you know, indicative of, of a little bit more power in the game. Um, I, I didn't see a whole ton of, of slow rollers kind of get through to, to, to the cut line there. Um, but yeah, no, it, we're really well, uh, well-run event as always.
0: Yeah, I when I played Bradley Ticket the last match, um, I know he was still playing for I think sixth. Um, but he spared aces against me and he actually mentioned that was his fourth spare or a split spare that weekend.
3: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I
0: didn't spare a single split, but there was quite a few guys. Johnny McDonald spared a few splits. Bradley did like there was guys sparing him out there.
3: Yeah.
5: 16 and 18 were huge for that. Uh, Mark sort of gave us the download why 18 was acting that way. A little bit, a little bit different than the rest. Uh, But it was, I don't know the scores. I think the scores are there Paradise paradise always been a, a house where I don't think you'll see a slow ball thrower, uh, make it It's nothing. I don't think it, they couldn't. I just, just don't think it's, it's, I don't know. It just never happens. Maybe not indicative to the scores, but, um, it's a little bit different in five or six years ago when Adam was, uh, uh I guess, pre-retirement, this is post-retirement now, but, um, uh, when he was back in the day, he used to get a lot of chop strikes, a lot of twelve, you no, a lot of chop. We don't get we never we don't get those anymore there at least, but he got a lot of twelves and sevens and so on and so forth. So a little with a little bit of weird hits. Um, I know Carrie and I, Carrie and I are pretty uh proud of her Baker's one forty four on lane lane eighteen over there. Yeah, eighteen. <laughs> uh, it was so wild over there. We we Carrie and I both ripped the right three pin and we got split out of it. Yeah. So. And then we promptly went after the right two pin that didn't have the right three right three pin, and we both missed it twice. Both looking at Harvey Poza like he, he's going to kill us.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and
5: then we found out we we uh, threw a perfect game a little bit later, and uh, Harvey was a little bit happier with us. But uh, it was yeah, it was a, it was a good event for sure. I was going to say Adam, like I, I not anything
2: against you, but like I, I heard back in the day when you used to throw a lot harder, that was like, was that one of your like game plans going into the center?
4: Definitely didn't hurt having, having that extra power, right? It, but I, I guess at that point, I was not so much focused on the role. I was definitely just, you know, hard chuck, make sure you get it to uh, to, to the middle and, and see what happens, right? Just watch pins explode. But yeah. all of a sudden now chop offs are turning into to 12 count minimum every single time. Um, it, yeah, paradise really hasn't changed in, in a whole lot, uh, even though everything's changed. Um, but I, I actually, I, my personal feeling, I, I think it's the, the the new bands that are out there. Um, that the, these pins are, are absolutely flying, but at the same time, they stay down too, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I heard heard a lot of crack strikes uh, that that were out there. A lot of a lot of thick goes as well. Uh, but now you're you're able to kind of get the best of both worlds. So you almost have to find that kind of tweener speed um, that that will work, you know, well.
0: Well, and they still have white bases too, right? Yes. Yeah. So, like yeah. the the cut was twenty ninety four for fortieth, which is obviously I, gr- great scoring.
5: I think it's just indicative of our bowlers out west.
0: We'll, yeah, leave, we'll because... leave that for discussion. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: but uh, no, I, I just think, especially earlier in the week, like on um, Thursday, they had their first doubles event. So it was mm-hmm. $400 a team. And I averaged 300 and I, I threw nothing but thick and everything pushed. Um, mm. That didn't work so much on Sunday. So um, I think there was just the transition in the lanes and I didn't figure it out fast enough to in order to compete. So. Uh, lanes it?
4: are breaking down a little bit as well, right? So, um, yeah, just it doesn't quite hold off uh, on that that break until the end, and now it's just a different fingers on the ball, right? So,
1: that's always the biggest thing. There is the fingers. As long as you, have, uh,
2: as long as you have good finish on your shot, you're going to be able to carry. Did you guys find that, like, as the weekend went on, that the pins slid more then, or no? Like with a sweeper shot, or no?
0: No, no, not no. any different. I, you,
5: no. you, you you buried you buried through if you were if you were like thin. Because I was having a yeah. conversation
2: with uh, with Jeff England about it in the or uh, on the Friday shift, and I and I threw a couple light ones and I got a couple sweepers, and I was like, "Oh, when did you guys like oil the decks?" And he said, "We didn't." He he said it's actually like a a myth. He 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 seems to think right. And 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 when he explained it to me, I was like, "Okay, that actually does make sense." So I guess in ten pin they actually put down like a sticky um, like foundation underneath the pins to hold them, to make them stick. So they don't slide up to different sides. So it's easier for them to like kind of tip it's over okay. or fall over. But I guess the reason that you would see pins is better off to see them slide is the oil, the oil kind of just drifts down the lane and it ends up eventually in, in, in the pins. Whereas it's just a myth that you should just pledge the shit out of it. Right. Or pledge it. Sorry. Yeah.
1: But I- I feel like that's a little bit different in 5-pin. I mean, you don't have oil go down nearly as far in 5-pin than you used to do in 10-pin. I don't see us dragging our oil that goes out to the arrows and light oil out to the arrows all the way down into the pin decks. We, we have done pindex. We have oiled pin decks before. We used mm-hmm. to do it on a regular basis, and you would see it break down a little bit throughout the weekend. But I also found that when we were oiling pin decks that you'd see a lot of blow through to sort of the 3-pins. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and you see less of it when uh, when you don't because you get a little bit more deflection.
2: Yeah, that ball won't just drive through; it. it like it'll slide right through if you keep the oil out there, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, it takes a, that little bit less effort or a little bit more effort, sorry, to knock over those pins, and then instead of the ball going through the three pin, it goes, you know, into the two pin. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't. I don't think that with the amount of oil that we put on, that we'd ever drag the oil all the way down into the pins.
0: Maybe maybe through a whole weekend of like a TPC mm-hmm. or something, you might see some oil carry down. But yeah, not definitely not to the extent that Ten Pin does because their balls no. pick up the oil and drag it down, right? Right. Um, yes. I think
3: it may,
4: may depend on the center as well, right? All, all of a sudden you go to some place like Red Deer, who has yeah. that extra little bit of oil on there? It's just going to carry down for days longer yeah. than, say, you know, Faraday's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're oiling 50 feet in Heritage, I swear. <laughs> um, sure, a- feels like it. Adam, I know you just used Starlines the whole time, but Dexter, did you find, did you switch bowling balls at all at any moment and found a different ball tracked better on the Paradise? Of I, at uh, all, or?
1: I started out with Manhattan's. Um, and I just, I wasn't. I wasn't really a big fan of the pin reaction. Um, a lot more chops. Uh, a, a few more blowthroughs. I found I had a, quite a few blowthroughs, um, so I ended up putting them away and going to my cyclones. Um, but that that could also be the weight difference too. Uh, my cyclones are, you know, uh, two ounces lighter, or yeah. an ounce and a half lighter anyway. So that little extra deflection definitely definitely helped. Unless I was going. Uh thin thin uh left side was an automatic blow through, but otherwise
0: everywhere else seemed to be okay. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, on Thursday, Friday I was using Manhattan and was scored really well, and then Sunday the Manhattan was nothing. And then I went to Starline and scored half decent, but then I was just making bad shots at the wrong times. Mm-hmm.
3: Hmm. Yeah. Did you yeah, Quite frankly I, yeah.
4: I, I think the lanes were playing quite well cuz they when I was throwing the Starline well it was reacting exactly the way I wanted to right if uh, if I was getting to the side everything was was either cracking through or or dropping out it was generally holding pocket as well which is kind of what you want to see at most of the tour events yeah. so I I don't know I, I think Starline was a, a good option there I I saw a,
0: a number of players uh, you know throwing quite well with them down there as well Mitch, did you since we're on the topic, did you notice at Nebs if the the lane breakdown was happening or the shot kinda stayed throughout the whole weekend? Oh,
2: that was the one good consistent thing was that I could feel like my ball now mind you, remember, we're we're not using just sixteen lanes either, right? So we use we're using thirty to thirty two lanes at times. So you only have X amount of players per lane. We're only using two versus three or like three versus three at the very max. So you don't have that kind of traffic that say TPC would have on all their lanes where they have four on four, four on four, four on four, five on five. And then the play downs. So we're not getting that kind of traffic, but by the end, like I noticed that uh, my ball was still just sliding just nice the way I liked it to, to slide to the right pocket. And then if I ever shanked it, I could keep it in the left pocket. Um, This is the only center that I ever don't use uh, my soft rolls at actually though. I only, I use um, Amber's little, uh, these little uh, Scorpion three, six balls. And I, uh, for some reason, I tried it on Friday. Cause I said, okay, they got black bases. Now it's going to be just the same as anywhere else. Right. And I tried my soft rolls and 1920, you know what I mean? Like I just, I was like, okay. And I never do this, but I tried and tried and tried to make it work. And very, very rarely will I ever do that. I'm not afraid to make a switch right away about anything it doesn't matter what it is um but i tried and tried and tried just because i've been playing really well the way i've been playing and i was really stubborn and unfortunately it cost me another 120 bucks or whatever <laughs> so but at the end of the day obviously it doesn't matter but uh, i went to the little scorpions and they the, the shot just stayed the exact way now i played a different shot though in my qualifying shift than i did my playdowns. my qualifying i was aiming about two or three boards right of the middle arrow and just trying to keep it at the right gut. And I could hit the right pocket pretty consistently. I was saying uh, I maybe shanked to the left side twice per game for the next five games. But overall I was playing it really thin, really nice. And then come Sunday, I tried it and I, I noticed myself just yanking a little bit too much. So I had to move the line, but the, the ball just stayed just perfect. That oil machine definitely you could see it right like you could see where it was breaking down at spots too so but it wasn't really breaking it it just it was just kind of weird There was like a ball traction but you could but the ball would still stay where you needed to stay Hmm. and now maybe that's the maybe block blocked
5: lanes the lanes are getting blocked the right way you wanted them yeah
2: Yeah. maybe because of that machine right i mean that could definitely be a factor as compared to like say you guys doing it with just by hands i have no idea like but it, it seemed like it was more true.
1: Did, uh, did they strip and re-oil in between like days or anything like that?
2: No, he never did. Okay. He never did. He kept it all the same. Um, he said Gosh. that So they, they oiled it the week before for their league, and they had like two 900s or whatever. Um, they actually have some pretty good talent in those leagues too. Uh, Nathan Cooper, Jonathan Cowan, uh, the, a, a, Jeff plays it as well. They have some pretty good talent in that league, so they had like two 900s, and then he didn't dress them for the league on Thursday because he wanted to do them Friday morning and have it like ready all throughout the whole weekend. And he said the high score was 750. So he was maybe saying like the oil pattern could have made a difference, but I, I also think like, you know, people have bad nights. It's just what it
0: is,
3: right? Yeah, week so, to week.
2: Yeah, so you you never know but maybe the oil is conducive to the higher scoring. I Well, he's gonna I, definitely have the data.
0: I think that has like a consistency level, right? When it's freshly oiled, you that oil will be there that whole time that you're only playing 3 games. When Exactly. The week later, that oil's carried down at different parts cuz people play different parts of the lanes and it mm-hmm. it could definitely affect um I think it definitely affects the way you're playing the lane as well. Well, think about mm-hmm. if you if you
2: rely on like a back-end movement to cut in, right? If you're playing a thin line and you and you rely on that, say, I don't know, uh, six-inch to, to a foot gap of of, um, of turn at the back-end, well, now all of a sudden it's sliding through mm-hmm. and now you've got to figure out a different, another shot or another angle, right? Yeah. And if it's not your number one go-to angle, sometimes it's not the easiest thing to ever
5: figure out. I, I think the biggest time I ever found that exception was uh, 2016 Open Provincials in Chinook. If you ever watched, I was, I don't know, I've always watched, looked down and always watch the side of the lanes. It may be something because we always, at a bowling alley, you can always look at uh, where the pin spots are, how they're lined up and whatnot. But by the end of the last day, you could see the burn mark was probably a, two boards left of the center arrow to like the whole third, maybe almost between the second and third arrow on the right. It was just burned. Everything was dry. Because everybody's lines were right there, you could tell it from yeah. just looking at it. So a lot of people were actually pushing left right? I hit that oil, playing yeah. a different line. It was just—it was that's the biggest time I ever found a big difference with that. That's surprising because I played Chinook before,
2: and that was a couple years prior to that. And I—I I felt that that line stayed consistent the whole time at Chinook, just because they—it mm. seemed like they oil a lot. Yeah, they—they yeah, they didn't that year. Uh, oh, mm. yeah. You know. It reminded me a lot of Heritage actually.
4: Right.
3: Mm.
4: They're notorious for having tons of oil on those lanes down there though. Yep. Always have, always will. Can't change your mindset.
5: We'll find out this weekend.
4: <laughs> Very true.
2: I don't mind yeah. the oil now though. Like the oil, I think I think I don't want to say the more oil the better, because obviously we don't want it to be greased like completely. But I I feel like in Heritage, that wherever I put my ball, it's gonna go. So I can play around and as long as I'm accurate, I should be fine. I don't Mm -hmm. need to rely on that movement to move me off to the other side or anything like that. If I'm hot, I can play that one side and play it consistently. And I mean, all of us, I'm sure feel the same way. Um, Like Timmy, I stole your line this year when we were at Heritage because I could see the way you were throwing the ball and you were getting strikes because it was just sliding directly right across and you could get that carry. So I saw that happening, so I stole that and I, and I, I started playing really well um and sometimes that's all it takes just to make it so it slides where and then i go home and i'm like okay i'm gonna try this shot and my lanes are pretty pretty dry where i play and i could never get it out of the right pocket like i could never get it anywhere near the left side because when i'm throwing it and i'm cranking it it just it's gone it's coming back yeah. mm-hmm. but i feel like that oil really does help to keep you where you want it to go well, I, I, just, I just i just
1: hate the the insta chops that comes with the oil at heritage yeah yeah, yeah. It,
2: i mean that's it everybody
1: it, it takes it takes away like any of that side of the game the the high revs sort of you know the thick sh- shots that you know
0: kind of push through and sure.
1: yeah it's it's an instant chop every time and I'm oh, like bro, I've oh, bro, played bro. the uh, yeah and I, I play I've played that touch thick my entire life just with like high rev rate and, and it uh, pulls in and if you have a little bit of movement it's fine but as soon as as soon as it's that oiled you get absolutely nothing. <laughs>
0: Not all no of us can play
3: thin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thin yeah. sometimes ends up with a free pin, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's what
5: happened to Chinook. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh I thought you were talking about the tour <laughs> championship.
5: No, right? oh, no, we just bring, bring up the other ones too. Whatever. <laughs> or the
3: TPC
2: against me that one time. <laughs> Yeah, I'd pin that up for a W though. Yeah, so, I,
5: I
4: know. <laughs> well, speaking of the tournament weekend, uh, I know the podcast crew had a, uh, a beer bet going. And uh, if I remember correctly, Tim, you chose uh, Mark Goulet and myself. Uh, Carrie, you chose uh, Dougie Brock and Mikey West. Uh, Dex, uh, Robert McDougal, and Danny Bear, and then I had Cody Lake talks and Tyler Titkin. And I believe the uh, winner, loser, I guess, uh, was you, Dex,
5: care of uh, Mister McDougal. <laughs>
3: In all Man, fairness, no, no,
5: we, we thought we we, we thought McDougal didn't play, so this is <laughs> yeah. This is we a went great over surprise. that list
1: like four times. and We couldn't find him on the list, so. <laughs> Turns anyway, out he I'm- was
5: 105, which
1: was only 20 spots higher than Tyler. So, it was getting close. It was getting close. so fine. I'll buy you a beer. Good thing it's at TPC because, you know, I'll just.
0: Oh no! I op- thought you were paying open the at, at Masters this weekend. <laughs> hey, per- pretty yeah, sure we yeah. this weekend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I'll be driving, so I won't be able to drink it with you. So I'm like. Case, care.
5: case, of, case of beer.
1: Perfect. That at- sounds good.
0: After bowling. Back to the hotel. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Speaking of which, I, I I don't know if we want to talk about this or not, but uh, um, there there's we were doing a bit of a fantasy uh, fantasy bowling draft, um, <laughs> and you know I we I was a little afraid of people like semi finding out about it because I don't know if they were like you know concerned about like us you know having, like, little side bets, with, like, based on them and stuff. But, you know, d- down in uh, at uh, Autumn Open, there was so much positive reaction to it. Except it was <laughs> super cool. Like, it was absolutely awesome. Uh, Adam Kemp is on my team. And Adam Kemp, once he found out he was on my team, he asked to find out all my other players because <laughs> he was full Team Dexter and wanted to root him on. Um rich uh, rich weber adams brothers wasn't going to be playing tpc and it sounds like he's coming up because he doesn't want to end up on tim's bench so <laughs> <laughs> no, no no
5: aaron aaron's gonna drop him aaron was gonna drop him oh is that what it was yeah, yeah. so so uh,
0: so just uh so the audience knows is if the cra is listening we just bet for pennies and peanuts <laughs> there's, yeah. uh, yes. there's yeah. no uh cash being it's, it's...
4: the odd beer yeah <laughs> exactly Best part is, it turns out there's like 16 other fantasy drafts going on behind the scenes. Yeah, there was, yeah. There was a lot going. We're, on. we're
0: not the only ones. Yeah, yeah I heard Saskatchewan oh. had one going. I think Winnipeg started one. Sounds like Ontario had one going. Yeah, um, we
2: had one this weekend.
4: Yeah, for our
0: club cool. tour. And a lot yeah. of guys, a
4: lot of guys liked it.
2: It's just I, something
4: different, something new, right? Oh yeah. yeah. We well,
2: we we did it the first time in Regina, remember? And it was a great time. mm Hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Like, and it's just something to look at other guys like professional athletes. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty cool, and it's something to cheer about on the on Sunday as well. So you want your horsey to go far. Actually, funny story, um, Doug. I took out all of Doug's horses, every single one of them. Oh really? <laughs> on Sunday, I took them all out. Yeah. You could hear him in the background. Are you kidding me? Are you, <laughs> and he's cheering for these guys. And, and so by the fourth time I played a fourth horse of Bobby, I had to play and he started cheering. I go, is the fourth time the charm?
4: <laughs> we, uh, and then he got me. Now he knows oh. what you feel like.
2: Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, you screwed me over enough. <laughs> we had, we had, we put, we started eight. We have four on our bench. We have a waiver wire working out. I don't know. I was pretty proud with my team. I had seven out of eight to make, and I, um, seven out of eight made the cut. If you're all listening out there, Tyler was the most disappointing. Obviously, he showed up at <laughs> a hundred something. Tyler, Tyler's working on his game for me. That's what he did. So he promised me on that least. but, uh, big shout out, honestly, to Sean McKinnon. Sean has been around for a while and, uh, it was good to see him make the cut. Both him and Cummings had a bang out 10 to make it. I almost jumped over the railings. I was screaming loud and nobody knew what was going on, but I was proud of them. And then they finally took my 15th and 16th spot in the, on the, in the, in the forty. And so it was knocked, re- out. N- knocked me out, but um, I only it only messes up Aaron in my bank account. So right now I'm, I'm all about my team right now. So. <laughs> so
4: so did did you actually win then? Probably not. Eh? So
0: you yeah, probably would place, have won more what money place in are the you sitting in?
5: Well, I'm second because uh, Jared had Brian Hurst. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, if you look at it, my team was just really consistent. And uh, and for me to walk with 5,700 in fantasy and points, I'll take it. And Robert Wolfson make a cut? Like, no.
2: Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ, man! Just just make one already, please, but, so you can make me some money.
0: But just so you know, like you said, it's not really Paradise Lane's really isn't conducive to that slower rolling ball. So you should have known that, Robbie. I'm behind, behind the
4: eight ball here. I haven't <laughs> been there.
0: I'm behind the eight balls.
4: He throws
1: the ball just as uh, just as hard, if not harder, than Michael LeCrucier. Yeah,
4: that's probably true. harder than Mikey. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, come on, but he will make a cup before Len does again. So, uh, <laughs> you
4: you
2: made you made some poor choices. Oh, and Jet and Jen, like geez, man. Can you like both better in the forties? Jesus Christ. Well, I, like, I figured all my eggs into Danny. And Danny yeah. makes a sixteen and burns out like mad. I expect better out of Johnny McDonald too. Like I have him on my team and like <laughs> I drafted you thinking, you know, you had like you you had thoughts of big things, Johnny. Come on, man. <laughs>
0: and here's here's a little story for you. Johnny decided to so for people that don't know the backstory at the Tour championship, I was wearing an orange shirt and orange jersey i uh, got defeated 9-1 shot 245 so then i decided i was going to throw that jersey away but johnny wanted it so i sold it to him for 20 bucks signed it and then in the 16s he decided to wear it against me he shot less than 245 and he lost
4: yeah. Great. 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 So it, it really is the shirt.
0: It is the shirt.
4: Oh, no, moral of the story is, is
2: there Johnny a... needs to stop messing around. Okay, get serious, Johnny. Seriously, man, I need you here. Okay? there's feelings on better. the line here. Yeah, man. Jeez. Is there no. anyone I, else I, we
1: I, want to call out right now? Well, I, 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 I can I keep yeah. going
2: down the list if you want. I,
1: I, I, I think but Adam should call out four shifter.
3: Four shifter. Derek
4: Gall. <laughs> yeah, Derek Gall. Four shifter. Thanks for trying, Derek. But man, uh, be better. yeah <laughs> there's no way
1: he listens uh i do want to say good for brian Askin. uh he's really made a breakthrough in the last that's my boy that's my boy he's really made a break in the last couple years and it's really good to see him make the 40s make the 16s play really well absolutely
0: awesome he played uh, good uh, in the doubles too did he not
5: very good very good yeah um he gave me a injury update he's not playing his lower body injury uh He's sitting out Wednesday night bowling, but uh, he said he's going to be back next week. He told me so.
3: You're
5: I've already been talking to my team.
0: Tournament. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no,
5: no. I, I do have a lower body injury with Bobby Kite, so I might be dropping him. I might be looking somebody who wants to be picked up on fantasy. So, so he went from into <laughs> doubtful. Um. Yeah. Yeah. He's not probable for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. Questionable at best. Okay.
4: I, I believe he's yeah. been ruled out for TPC.
5: Well, uh, I haven't got the official. So. I have got the official report yet. So. Wai-
0: waiver line's coming up.
5: <sighs> yeah, oh, I had a couple.
0: <laughs> okay, so we'll move on. Um, we were speaking of Sean McKinnon, and he actually submitted a question a couple of weeks ago. Um, his question was, what do you do when you're struggling? Like, say, let's say on Sunday in the 16s or in the 40s, how do you get your confidence back to close out the, the round of 40 or the round of 16? Um, is there anything that you do specifically or is it just uh, burn that bridge when it comes up well it's not mm. something that, that's on my mind uh, I guess until it actually
4: comes up right um, the the 16s this year were definitely a struggle uh, I, I think it's just try to keep it really simple and uh, again we talk about routine so often on this podcast uh, but just yeah, if things are struggling, you just got to go back to your routine and, you know, just take those extra couple breaths and just, just kind of play it through because everybody goes through the ups and downs and those downs at this level are, are typically pretty short, right? So it's just a matter of getting through it and, and uh, yeah, you just got to work through it.
1: Yeah, I don't think the game plan never really changes a whole lot. You know, you're still always just trying to figure out what you're doing wrong at that time period. And then if things are, like, draft like dramatically poor then maybe you make a, a big change but uh i don't i don't think the game plan ever changes too much you know st- stick to stick to what you know go back to basics and and you know small adjustments here and there but you're always just trying to figure out what you're doing wrong at that time period anyways so the 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 down periods shouldn't last that long and if they do and you're, you know, your ball's not reacting right, or something like that. Make a ball change, or make a line change, or something like that, to try to, you know, maybe get a little bit more splash, um, give yourself a little bit more room for error. But otherwise, yeah, I, I, I don't think the game plan ever changes a whole ton.
5: I, I strongly like. I think you have to know your game. I know, and I think it's, it's easier said than done. But a lot of us who play the WCBT, you see, watching the 40s or 16s. 95 percent of us know our game right and and I think that's and that's through completely through experience. A lot of us have been through that experience. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was getting frustrated in the last like game and a half of this of the 40s. I, I felt like I was I, I know I was pushing it I wasn't finishing and I was trying to find that adjustment where I you know what at this point when your adrenaline's running maybe, I was just going to play the push because (laughs) play the push find the side and then just go with it and i just couldn't find the line um but it's experience you've been there enough right you just understand your game try to find something that works or something that you just have to go with at that time a lot of times i just guess in all seriousness a
2: lot of times it's uh it depends where you are obviously if you've been to that house a thousand times you can figure something. You'll 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 know something going in there. You know what I mean. You've been there enough times. You'll see what how it plays and everything like that. But if you're like really struggling, then a lot of times just guess. Just pick a pick a spot and be like, okay, well I'm gonna throw this with this and see how this works. And I mean, like, there's still time. Like this is what a lot of inexperienced players they do is they run themselves out of time, and they don't realize an eight game shift or or, or a three game match play. There's more time than you think is there. Um, a a golfer, right? They're always trying to think, always trying to think, always. We're always taught from a young age, don't think, don't think, don't think. And again, I've said, I think I've said this before is that no, think about the right things. So if you go back, you throw a bad shot, think about why you did it, come back off the lane, still think about why you did it and be like, okay, well, how can I correct that? And if it's like, well, if I made it because of this, I'll stand here, whatever the case may be just keep thinking about it because eventually it's going to make you a better player. And eventually it's going to give you some ideas that will help you all out later on. Yeah,
5: it might not
2: help you. It might, it might not help you in that three
5: game block, but eventually it will help you. I,
3: yeah,
5: I agree with you. Exactly. The reason I'm the forties. I love the forties for the fact is it's like Dexter bull with me. I saw 700 triple the start, but the forties already, whoever plays those they get people get amped up especially the younger ones I can say that now they get amped up game one game two game three game four and it, and it's just you know what you just play your game you have plenty of time to come back and there's the first time I made the 40s didn't make the 16s because I just played my game usually and you, you end up making it anyways because there's always gonna be highs and lows and if the the lows are lower than most for those people they're gonna drop right and, and that's yeah. where I totally agree with you Mitch
0: yeah, I don't um, mean to. Go yeah. ahead, Gary. So like, uh, Tim brings up the 40s. So I was kind of in the same position he was after the first three games or whatever. I think after four games I was 29th, and I just made a small change. I knew I was close. I was punching a lot, splitting a lot. So I just made actually a one board change, and then I climbed out of the out of the 29th and got to 14th or 15th, I think it was by the last game, but you that's exactly it i was so far out but there's there's so much time just chip away you don't need monster games you just gotta chip away you you know where the cut's gonna be like we always say at the autumn open the cut for the 40 is gonna be the same pretty close to the same cut for the 16 so you know what number you need to get to just plug away don't don't dig yourself a hole and then stress out about it just mm. keep digging
2: a lot of uh like Sort of switch kind of tournaments here on you guys, nope, but good. like for the club tour this week this year when we went to this three game match play, I feel like I really did have a big advantage because I've played that format so many times that when I was playing guys, sometimes they would think it's over when I'm up a hundred with one game to go, and you could see it in their in their eyes, you know what I mean? And I'd be like, okay, this is this is good because I, I know this is nowhere even close to over. You know, if I if I start off pick pick and you start on four bagger, well there there's your there's your sticks. You know what I mean. So a lot of guys you could tell they thought it was over before it was, and I think I had a distinct advantage on that. But it, when it was a shift, so my first shift was really rough. I had, like I said I had 1920, and then I come out my second shift and I started with a 199, and and that was a bang out for 199. So I was like really feeling it. And I'm like, okay, and I'm still trying to think. I, I must have changed lines five times in that 199 game. And I'm still trying to feel it out, still trying to feel it out. And then finally it clicked in games two, three, four, and I shot like a 1,060 or 70 or whatever, whatever the number was for those three games. And there it was. That's all it took was just that little bit of time that I know it's like, it's nowhere even close to over. Relax. Just figure it out. Just keep playing around. So you always have time yeah even and you're
1: right in the three game in the three game format um things can turn really quickly oh yeah Uh, especially when you're playing one-on-one it's so much easier just to stay in that rhythm find a line and keep that consistent shot and if you find that shot you could you could turn your game around in a heartbeat and at Mm -hmm. the same time if you start punching you could you could start punching in a heartbeat so uh I, i find i find in those three game formats i mean that that's why you look at Uh, all of like the final scores you see lots of them in the 900s to 900s or we've seen a thousand thousand uh i mean you you just don't normally see that in like real life but on -on one-on-one matches it can happen because the pace is so quick you could figure things out really easy and stick with it
2: yeah and guys were really getting fired up and um i've been doing this last like five or so years now where i've been just really trying to uh stay calm and 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 collective. And and then like, obviously, you know, I've had some times where I've obviously gotten angry or whatever, but I try my best to stay calm the whole time and not show emotion and just like, and just be the same throughout the whole, the whole process. And you could see guys that were like really getting amped up and it was like came one of the 32s on the B side. And I'm like, all right, you know, maybe just relax. Cause that's, that stuff's going to burn you out Mm -hmm. and it's going to get you more mentally stressed than anything where if you're just worrying about your shot and why you did what you did and how come you threw a good shot or how come you threw a bad shot, you're, you're better off that way, you know? Absolutely. It's It's, it's funny. Um, The year I won TPC in 2010,
1: I was 23 years old. And like, I literally like no emotion the entire weekend, just, or that entire day, just did not get mad, did not get excited, none of it. And it was really weird because, like, I I mean, I wasn't really super known or anything in the bowling world at that time. Period. But um, I ended up winning. I beat Mark Johnstone in the final. Um, you know, shake hands with everybody. And I was standing up at the top just waiting for, like, uh, the uh, announcements or whatever. And one of the parents came up with their kid who was like, I'm going to say like 10 years old and shook my hand and just said, "Uh, thank you. It's just really nice to show my kid that you could take the emotion out of the game. And I, I didn't even think about doing it then. It was simply, I was just kind of melancholy the entire time, but it was definitely really helpful in conserving energy um, for sure.
0: Yeah. um, But that being said, it's not for everybody. Like look at at past champions, like Kevin Holdsworth, not a single ounce of energy is reserved, and he took down the traditional,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? Um, Bradley Ticket, prime example, doesn't doesn't withhold, right? He lets everybody know what he's feeling, how he's feeling, and how he's playing, and he's taken down two titles. Um, obviously, being reserved and holding energy works for a lot of people, but it's not the end-all be-all, but um, I yeah. definitely... I am in the same boat. I try and reserve my energy and try not to show too much emotion. Adam was saying before the podcast, that's the one of the first times mm-hmm. he's seen me pretty much angry through the whole 16s. But that wasn't at anybody that was at myself for not being able to figure out what was going on, why I couldn't score. Mm-hmm. But um, hopefully nobody took that hard, I guess. It was just no, all, all about me. Tim, I, I, Tim, I showed Tim got some I, backflash.
5: <laughs> yeah, well, it's okay. I, I mean, I, I showed you the line, and you finally scored better on 18 after listening to me.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, it was all you, not Harvey. Yeah, it
5: was. It was all <laughs> me. But, but but I agree with you. I, after playing the first time I played the 16s, I was so exhausted. I played – I remember it came out, coming out the shoots. I think I faced Bruce Mortar, shot 350 against him, won another match 330. And then I had like a between like seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. I was so tired, right? And because you don't think about it, it's like, oh, what's one on one? All of a sudden, it's like, holy cow, like it's a long, grueling thing. And then I got my energy back up for the last bit and it was too late. And I th- Adam won that year, I remember. Um, I remember Rich doing you a favor and shooting 380 against me the last game. So I couldn't move up anymore.
3: Um, well, it probably
5: took me down the game before man no he, no he did but um but uh, but you know the bradleys and kevin's totally an exception i think but um the bradleys and the younger ones they'll figure out time as time gets closer when they get older and fatter like us that, that they need to reserve everything right destra had to learn at 23 he was a little chunky back then so
3: he had to <laughs> reserve yeah he
5: did <laughs> Was a little poop the was the hot that. dogs really helped me through. And honestly, <laughs> yeah, he was hibernating everything. It was, but, that was December when it happened. So,
1: <laughs> you know, we have talked about bowling school a few times throughout the podcast, and I definitely remember one thing that definitely stuck out with me is we did a questionnaire. We all did a questionnaire, and one of the questions is was simply, um, at what energy level do you perform the best at? And it was a really interesting question because everybody had a different answer, but being aware of what that energy level is being able to maintain it is really important to your game. Yeah, it's just overlooked, honestly.
4: You got to kind of know where your edge is, right? Yeah, and uh, because that—that's probably where we're going to, you know, peak perform is right on that edge, uh, or maybe a little bit on either side. Quite frankly, you know, I, I was that guy for, for a lot of years with way too much emotion. And quite frankly, you, you start to learn that it really doesn't help your game if you're doing it every single frame. Uh, you find moments to, to kind of pump yourself up or you pump your team up. Uh, hell, you can even pump up your lane in you know, a qualifying or, or something like that when, you know, you and a buddy or two are trying to qualify and you're trying to pump each other up type thing. It's uh, it's just not needed every single shot, but again, it's it's kind of personal preference, and he, you, every, each player is going to have to learn what works best for them. I, I learned uh, that I don't need it anymore. Yeah, you're pretty amped up, Game Four of the finals. I
0: tell you, he had given up already <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> oh,
5: I haven't seen a pouty walk in so long. It was just. <laughs>
1: I saw it last I... year at the same time with him. And then I had the same conversation with Adam this year. You're being an idiot. Stop. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. Yeah. And then you shoot like 320 or 330 at me and same typical crap.
0: It's it's funny you bring it up because Victor and Adam are playing absolutely horrendous. And I played both of them at the end of my whole 15 hmm. games. And they <laughs> both stomp me. Oh, uh... yeah. But, but no. Victor's a class act, though. Oh, There's yeah. a difference. He, he felt bad about it.
4: <laughs> me, me and Carrie, it's like game 13 or game 14. We're, we're like, you got a coin? No. Just, like, do you have a coin? No. I don't really care. Just go. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. At that point, we, we were pretty much done,
5: right? Yeah. And in, in, in all fairness, Victor was a different guy on the weekend. He was doing shots and everything. So. Yeah.
0: Shots like <laughs> <at> Gatorade.
5: <laughs> G2, the hard stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: The one, one consolation team. is I did take on both Dex and Carrie and Victor and Derek and crush all of them. So those
0: are your only four wins, eh?
4: Uh, I think I might have had one more in there. <laughs> Glarty. I think I had Glardy as well.
2: Actually I watched that. I watched that match earlier today. Yeah. I was at work I was, and I watched uh Adam versus Dwayne. And I was actually good that match. Yeah, you actually destroyed him. <laughs>
3: No, that
5: was my horse. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Isn't that that always the way, though? Isn't that always the way
2: that, like, you – a top player, and they're playing bad, and you go to play them, and you're like, oh, here we go.
1: Yep.
2: Isn't that always the way?
1: I said it right to him. I was like, yeah, you're terrible. Here we go. Double. Yep, here we go. Oh, I haven't thought of strike in games.
4: <laughs> well, in all fairness, I think I had like an 860 quad or something before that game. So
1: 198, yeah, I, 251,
2: so 170, 256. Uh, so that's, uh, that's like, you know, that's yeah, 860, yeah, something like that. <laughs> Thank you. Like that. <laughs> I remember – sorry, go ahead, Adam. No, go ahead. Michelle. I remember uh, I played Greg at TPC the year I broke my hand. And, yeah, and I said to Greg, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this game. He's like, dude, you're probably going to shoot 900 at me. And what did it, yeah, I shot 950. Well, you can't over grip it. No, well, palm,
0: like, (laughs) I guess I can't see it, but. Do you you guys notice or do you um, feel a difference when, like, say you do come up against somebody that you expect to be a really tough match or – because – Everybody that makes the 16s or, let's say, makes it through the first round of 32s at these big tournaments, they all should be very hard matches. They, They should be equal matches. But do you guys step it up against somebody that you know you want to beat or that you expect to be tough? Or is it kind of the same across everybody you play against?
5: I am more worried about the people that are just making their first cuts or whatnot. Because they have nothing to lose, they go out there and just shoot bombs, right? There's difference because I mean, I, I think all of us have played enough events. People like, you know, what they're pretty good bowlers. They're they're pretty. You know, they're around a lot, right? They have experience, and then they face us, and it's like I think it's more pressure on us to follow through and play well. I think more than anything. There's only one guy.
2: Fun. There's only one guy that I know that I'll never be able to beat. I, and it's Greg in Timmons. Like, the, 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 it's un, he's unstoppable, man. I swear to God, he he is so good at this. one. Like he's good to begin with, right? He's unreal. And then you face him in this one center that he has an extra inch on the head pin that he can hit, and then we all can hit. And he cracks everything out. He gets every kick, every single one. I, this year, this past year, we were playing at Timmons, and I had six forty or thirty. And I had him by like 15 and I was feeling really good. Like I was throwing a really good ball. And then he throws an 11 bagger split at me. He's just, and he's one, I think he's won three of the past four years. He's just, he, that's the one place that I never really ever want to face Greg. <laughs> Other than that, like anybody else, you're like, okay, I can beat this person here. I have no pressure against that, but it's just some places and some people, you know, it's like, this is their, this is their place.
0: Right.
2: That's,
4: that's how I, I feel I don't know I, I feel like I'm always walking around with a target on my back for, to begin with right so I, I I'm basically getting up the same way for pretty much everybody because uh, I know I have to um, there's not typically too many freebies that, that are out there which, which I I enjoy as well I, I'm quite happy with that um, but there, there's always certain guys that, that you really want to beat Um more often than not, then I start playing a different game and I'll lose that match. So I, I think it's really important to, to to kind of treat everybody the the, the same, uh, especially in, in these type of events where even the, the you know the the guy could be you know hundred or whatever on the the five pin universe rankings, but they just made the thirty twos. So maybe he's got a hot week going, right? So it's you, you can't discount people at, at these events. You make a cut, and you. You know you're a player that week.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, I my mindset never really changes a whole lot. Um, but you're right. There's there's there was one person I really wanted to beat this weekend, and then I faced him, and I was trash. Because you know you, you just you, you get so focused on results over over uh, and everything else going on around you that you just forget how to play your actual game, and it's dumb. So keep your mindset
3: the same
0: (laughs) yeah it's definitely tough in a especially in the round of 16 I find at the autumn open there's that center is so small the way it is and then you have all this audience and a lot of them are family friends or their family of a youth clinic kid that was there and so it becomes a gathering and they follow one person and it doesn't matter where that person is in the 16s they're just watching them how they're playing and if they're playing well, it gets loud, and other guys are struggling, and they're getting pissed off because it's loud at the other side of the center. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You you have to focus on your own game. Um, that make that's what makes the sport interesting. That there is even fans there cheering somebody on. It could be literally just the sixteen of the sixteen bowlers there just duking it out for their own money. Right. It's nice to have that that fan base there, and I don't care who they are. It, it could be anybody. That that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it
5: gets a, it gets a little bit loud and, and uh, obnoxious by game you know twelve.
0: When, especially uh, when you're at the bottom.
5: <laughs> everybody's in the sauce, and you can tell it gets louder and louder and louder and louder. Yeah. louder and I I've been there. I, I I think it's I think it's great in a way because you kind of like you learn how to live it, and just be able to just block it out. Um, the one person I have a hard time facing and is not Adam is Dex, and it's not because he's my brother. I really could care less whether I win or lose against him. It's just the fact is we played against each other for so often. It doesn't seem like a match. I mean, it just it just seemed like you're bowling half the time. And it's true. It's just it just no it's, it's
1: not a match.
5: It's a pumpling. <laughs> I I and I I'll be honest, I have such a hard time keeping the same rhythm with Dex. Um, I can get it with Lenny, but when Dexter's throwing strikes, there's no stopping him. Uh, it just pisses me yeah. to off.
0: There was uh, something I said to Dexter this in the 16s. Uh, I won't say the exact phrasing because it may have contained some swears in it. But Dexter starts off with a double, I think, against me, and I start plow, plow. And then Dexter goes up to throw the turkey, and I think you chopped or did – no, you punched. And I, I told Dex after he cleaned it up, I said – good thing you punched because if you threw that turkey i was going to tell you to sit down at the lanes and play me like a man (laughs) because he's always off wandering around talking to people and not down the i did you 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 went up to throw your
1: ball and i pulled up a
5: chair and sat right at the end of your lane but it it, it's so true i i have a hard time facing people with that speed especially if they're playing well because then you're trying to like you have to feel like you have to answer right away but you take your own time. It's just, it's tough. It's just, I find it real tough that way. You know what it's called? Match play.
3: Yeah. It
5: happens all the
4: time. Well, f- oh, does, that for, does for doesn't sure. matter yeah, ne- necessarily your pace of, of an approach or anything. Right. One, one guy goes up there, throws a double. Well, it's game time. Right. You got to yeah. get up there. So it's not like you're going spare strike and you have that exit all the time and rhythm or whatever.
5: Right. It's just but your you're own can, game. But your, your timing is a lot different than Dexter's. Dexter can go bang, bang. I can go off, throw a strike, corner spare, and he's already throwing two balls, both strikes, and I'm up again, right? It's just yeah, it's but how – You could take your time is, too, right? You don't have to go his off right timing. away. No, no, yeah. no, for sure. But, but, then, but then I'm trying to physically remind myself to take my own time,
0: right? So, and so it, what it, you're it, saying is Dexter's got your number for the rest of your career because you can't think outside the box <laughs> is what's going <laughs> on. You know yeah, what? you uh you, can watch. you it, know what? watch I
5: face him during the invitational. Was, I'm screwed. I'm also giving him my
1: thousand bucks. There wow. was a time period wow. there was a there was a time when I faced Len and Seth, and that should have been the fastest match alive. But oh, I slowed God. him down. I specifically <laughs> was like I was specifically like, you know what? I, I can't I, I can't let him do it. <laughs> so I, I went up top and I just chilled out and waited and I was like, okay, I'll go throw my ball now. But <laughs> we were still done a game ahead of everybody else.
2: I think I witnessed what? the
5: fastest match ever. It was
1: Herbert.
5: Lenny,
2: Lenny and Herbert, Herbert. you and I, you,
5: you and I, you and I were bowling on nine and 10 at Regina yeah. and they were beside us. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. I was
2: like, wow, we were in the game and we were 15 frames and they were done. Yeah. And we're, we're ahead of everybody else too. We weren't yeah. like super slow. Yeah. No, you know what I do though? If I play playing a really fast guy, I play it like as if it's league, I'll, I'll grab my ball and then I'll just like wipe it down or whatever. Take my time, go to throw a ball. And then I'll come back and I'll wait it out. Like I'll wait, I'll wait a couple like a minute or something like that. Because like you're not, your body's not used to that that kind of speed, right? You're you're used to going up and then coming up for people later. That's just like a methodology if that's what, what that's what we do. And so you grab your ball, you stand back, you relax for a minute, feel your heartbeat come down, count it out, and then go out.
3: Yeah, that I ain't. try that. You know, yeah. that, that's There's
4: a, a perfect, perfect question because I, I'm sure a lot of the, you know, the podcast listeners are, are wondering that. So you're in a match play scenario, you know, you're throwing strike after strike after strike, you know, against the other opponent, you get up to, to a, a pressure situation and your heart's racing. What do you do to, to, to bring that heart rate down?
2: So uh, me personally, I feel all of my energy go to my legs. That's what I do. I, I, uh, I try to feel it. I take a deep breath and then I feel all the energy go to my legs. And then I feel it just like, kind of leave my body. Right. And I try to push it down to a, to a spot. And so like thinking about it all, it's like, I, I, I know earlier I said, think about it. Yes. Think smart. Um, but also use some of the tactics that you have, push the bad energy out. Right. And just relax and then go, and then go do your thing. And there's nothing you can do. Like you have to throw the ball. So just go up there, push all the bad energy out through down to your legs, feel yourself become calm, and then go out.
0: It's, mm-hmm. it's funny you say that because mine is uh, I take a deep breath and I try and feel my energy go to my fingertips, to go to the okay. bowling ball, and try and go. make sure I finish the ball. So there you go. Yeah.
5: Not nothing feels worse for me, if I feel it right in my elbows. You get that nervous energy in there, right? <laughs> no, I
0: do. I, right in the weenus? <laughs>
5: yeah. I, I feel I feel it in my in my forearm and my elbows when, I, when I'm really? so nervous.
0: Yes, I feel but, it right in my chest.
5: No, I don't. I, well, yeah, but I mean, like, I, I get up there and my and I feel nervous and my my body's shaking that mm. way, right? So I tr- really try to like breathe and I try to like slow it down a little bit. Thanks for make, laughing at me, guys. I like, love my having body, Tim I, I, on the
4: podcast. <laughs> that is, so good.
5: <laughs> that
1: is, you know, fingertips make sense. It's at the end of an extremity. Your legs make sense. You push it out through the end of an extremity. Hmm. What do you push out through your elbows? <laughs> so I don't. That's why they're there. Pew, pew,
3: pew, 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 pew. <laughs> 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 <you> podcast,
5: <laughs> podcast listeners, don't beat these people. They're
0: bullies. All I know is, all I know is there are a meme coming out with the elbow for sure Yeah, right.
1: yeah. you're gonna throw out the people's elbow?
2: Is that your move? Watch
1: what hey. this looks like right now there was
2: there was enough memes this weekend, okay a lot. They're, they're pretty good. They're
3: really good. I think <laughs> okay. I
1: think my favorite thing out of everything this weekend for memes social media, all of that stuff i think that my absolute favorite post from all of it came from jeff young's wife
0: no at england england oh sorry jeff england's wife <laughs> oh yeah that was, was hilarious Not proud.
1: absolutely savage and fantastic <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna try to find this here really yeah, please quick.
0: quote it for our audience
1: uh, a quote from emily england <laughs> Just want to point out that Jeff England has thrown the most possible games so far this weekend, and is still going for spot number thirty-two tonight. Hashtag not proud. <laughs> Relationship goals, right there.
0: Uh,
2: it was quite funny. <laughs>
0: I hope he took it well. It was it was really good.
2: Oh, Jeff, I think Jeff really wanted to bowl on Sunday. You know, he really wanted to bowl that badly on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you could tell, like, when he went up for the triple shift, I couldn't believe it. I was like, <laughs> Jeff, you don't even play two shifts normally when we play club tour. Like, he'll play, like, one on Saturday, and then he'll run it on Sunday. And I was like, holy crap, you're going out there again. Uh, <laughs> and for you, man. That's awesome. so you, yeah, he, you could just tell, like, he, his mind's not all there. You know what I mean? Like, you could tell he's doing this that and the other thing you got Nebs you got the construction you've got people coming over to you to ask you whatever question about the tournament and I uh, try to help him out best I can just uh, you know Jeff is just that's just Jeff right he, yeah uh, he uh, he has that certain personality about him and uh, he's a like unreal guy awesome guy um, like he gave uh, he gave me and Greg the, the card for the arcade so we went in the arcade for like an hour and a half, and we just like played a whole bunch of games and whatever. Like Jeff's just a overall great guy, so. um, But yeah, he uh, that was quite funny when uh, Emily was just watching him go out there for the last. <laughs> <laughs> just
1: just rips him apart after a hard weekend already. Well,
2: well the thing is, he left he left her with all like the side pot stuff and all, everything all to do by herself. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, it was it was quite funny when he went to go bowl. <laughs>
5: yeah. For, for every, everybody but him, eh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah.
4: Well, that's one thing that I think's even more impressive about your win. Uh, you were pushing that event as hard as absolutely anybody. So your direct involvement, and I, I see it with uh, all three of these guys, especially you know TPC with the Weisbergs, and uh, obviously Kerry with uh, the WCBT Five Universe side of it. there there's so much else going on around the event that's not bowling related so yeah. for you guys to be able to actually keep that focus on there it, it, it's so impressive and you know the size of that key um, oh, yeah. you know more more for your ego than your hands yes <laughs> uh it's uh yeah what what a cool idea what a cool yeah. concept for for a uh for for a, a trophy there
2: tom's a mastermind man he's he's awesome Comes up with all the stuff they made, so they made I think a couple of them. They're they're gonna probably do it every year, um, but yeah, like overall, Adam, I just want to see a good event in our province, Like right? And I know like the capabilities are there, like the players that we have is crazy. Like I said, we had six six zones, six full zones that did not send one player to this.
3: Hmm.
2: So it, it, it's just and we had 184 entries, and we didn't even we didn't have a player from Ottawa come. I think Matt Leonard, but I think I think he lives in Quebec now. So, we didn't have one Luke. player.
5: Pardon? Luke St. George was there, wasn't he?
2: Yeah. So, I think, yeah, but I think, yeah, he's Ottawa. He's Ottawa. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I think he came with the Quebec guys, but he is Ottawa. But, like, it, it seemed like there wasn't any. There was none from Bay Quinney. There was, like, one from Windsor. There was, like, it's just and – I, and I hate to, like, throw out zones and call them out. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying, like, we've only scratched the surface of what we could possibly have. Mm-hmm. And – Uh, I really do just want to see it be the best event that we could possibly have. And I truly mean that. Like I'm not here to just like line my pocketbooks or anything. You're not going to win every tournament. It doesn't work like that. We all know that. I just want to see it be a really good event and maybe have a second really good event throughout the year for our Mm -hmm. province and like get people back into bowling, just like you guys are trying to accomplish because I don't make any money off this. You know what I mean? Like I know if if you win the tournament, (laughs) I know if you win the tournament. Yeah, sure. Great. But you don't. I don't, own, I don't. own a center. You know what I mean? Like Tim and Dex, they own a center. They directly benefit from having a good tournament, which is what's really, really good for you to see you guys pushing. You directly benefit, and that's and that's a good thing for the game. That's a really good thing. But me personally, I only benefit based on how well I perform. I just want to see people show up.
5: Mm-hmm. Two two things after. Sorry, Kerry, you can go ahead. No, that's alright. Go ahead, right, Tim. Two two things. I. I I think Dex and I both strongly agree. Uh, the reason why we push it is I think it's uh, – I think our name's on the line and the last thing you have is have a failure of a tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel like if we don't maybe have – we have something subpar that just kind of falls on us. Right. Uh, and I don't like to have that. And two, uh, so I guess one of our podcast listeners, Mike Greenlee, needs to make his show up. pay Quinty didn't he go. He, he should show up. You <laughs> yeah. know what? And now that I think about it, there was one guy that showed up
2: and yeah. he had to bail out because he has a heart problem. He's from Bay oh, Quinney. No. Will Rollison, But he, he played. He, he played four games or whatever, and then he had to go because he has a heart problem. He actually had a heart attack a couple years ago on the lanes at an open provincial. It was kind of messed oh, up. Oh, no. But okay. um, he, he, he had to leave. He was the only Bay Quinney <laughs> player to play. You know, and Mike Greenlee doesn't show up. I am not. I don't mean to throw in names here. I don't mean to throw in names here.
0: But, yeah, he's but, not throwing out Mike Greenlee's name at all. We've yeah, called no, out like everybody none. else already. Why stop <laughs> and, now?
5: Yeah, <laughs> um, who's Mike Greenlee? Yeah, where is he? <laughs> no, I, and, I,
2: and I like Mike. I really do. That has nothing to do with me, ill will, or anything. I just – I like to see people show up to these events because this is the only events that we're going to have sooner or later, uh, to be brutally honest, and we know that. So, you know, there's these these other organizations. We don't know how long they're ever going to be there. I know Masters is self-sustaining. They have their own people, and they have people that are uh, really – in in love with masters they love that and and that's cool that's awesome but this is the future of what of our game is like cash tournaments they're the only things are going to be around one day so i hope i i I just hope that people like want to go to those tournaments
4: yeah i just like seeing the best of both worlds just have all of them right
0: yeah but the only the only thing that works is like these people that play these cash minutes, it's their own money on the line. They're the ones putting up the cash. They're the ones investing all this money. Yeah, the proprietors are putting up the time of the lanes and hopefully they're getting enough in uh, food sales, liquor sales to help mitigate their payroll and stuff like that. We know that's not always the case, but for a proprietor to help promote the professional side of this bowling should help them in the long run, we're hoping. That's the idea. Um, a lot of these other associations like Masters and C5 they have this funding, they ha- can generate funding on the side, but it's not always from the bowlers I,
3: mm-hmm.
0: these cash tournaments are for the bowlers and I think that's yeah. that's why they're so strong and that's why they're getting stronger
2: I mean you look at Sherwood Park and the TPC they had 239 entries last year well, I mean I uh, I, I, I know I've had conversations with with uh, Timmy about it, and I'm not gonna say like per- personally like what we've talked about. But if you can have a side event on the on the Friday night, and you can fill that with four doubles teams on each lane, so you're collecting the lineage, and you're having people have a good time, and you're having people uh, buy food and liquor sales, you're you're gaining all. Everybody's gaining. You know what I mean? We're getting the tournament that we want. The the center's profiting, the center's having a good name for themselves. So it's a good thing for everybody. And then you could see why they could still be able to have these tournaments. I wanted to have Jeff England, um, and he'll have the numbers for me probably this week. When we're trying to find like a third stop for the club tour, right? Well, we want to be able to have these numbers to be able to say like, okay, this is how much we made in lineage. This is how much we made in food and liquor sales. And then show them, be like, this is the kind of weekend that you could have as well. You know, if we promote it correctly, if we have it and we do it correctly, this is the kind of weekend we can give to you as well, to another center. You know, and and because every center, not every center, but some centers seem to think that they're not profitable weekends, and it's this is true. They're probably not a ridiculously profitable weekend, and and Tim and Dex can tell you that. But at least if you do it correctly, you should be able to break even, if not maybe a little bit better, and wow. be able to get your name out there.
5: They, yeah. they used to be they used to be not as profitable, but. They are they're they're just fine now. As yeah, of, like last year was just perfectly fine, and and yeah, and 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 I think if again, like if if we want to make sure it's profitable, I think it's up to us to also promote it and make sure it is because Absolutely. we shouldn't be the ones complaining about it. We should be the ones fixing it, right? So yeah. and, that's and, and sort of what I look at.
1: When we're talking about profit, we're talking about potential profit. The the biggest problem that these centers have is that you know our season runs through high season for all the bowling right so that's the biggest time period for open play birthday parties all that fun stuff so that that's where you have to try to you know try to balance out that potential profit because in the summer you're you're losing money you're losing money every summer so you have to make as much profit as you can in the winter so that's that's the problem whereas you know um the first four or five years we definitely did not make the money that we would normally make on a weekend and that—that's just absolutely honest. Last year, last year was the first year that we definitely made more than we probably would have on a weekend at that time period, um,
2: which is great. Yeah, it's, that's it's amazing. Whole, it's absolutely that's the amazing. whole goal. The whole end game goal was to be able to have one that you guys are making money and everybody's getting their whole the whole function right. It's the whole piece of that pie, and that—that's that, the goal. So yeah. I mean, you guys do it perfectly to a T. You promote it you show it off and you do it correctly so and and it all comes together And it's it's hard to have conversations sometimes with certain proprietors about that you know and because they don't think that it's going to be enough money but i said if, if you do it correctly then you it, you should have no problem making a profit if you can if you can have 150 people in your in your boy out for 55 straight hours essentially you should be able to make some money
3: Right? Yeah,
0: if you're doing it properly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You can't have lackluster, right?
0: You got to be all in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, is there any quick topics you guys want to bring up, or want to wrap this this bad boy up?
4: Do we have any other
0: podcast questions from a couple weeks back? Uh, I there was quite a few. I'll see if I can pull one up quickly. Uh, I kind of mentioned that we were trying get to everybody's questions over the next few weeks. So try and pop another one in here. Um, I got a quick question. Mitch, would you think, I'm not sure if you watch it cause it was an hour and 22 minutes, but what did you think of the interview?
2: I was actually going to, I, I was going to say something about 10 minutes ago and I got sidetracked um, with Adam. That's the one interview the interview you're referring to, right? Yes. Correct. Yeah. So Adam, you said that you have like an issue with mental imagery. Yes. And I, so I watched the first 35 minutes of it while I was at work today. Hopefully, <laughs> like, my boss isn't watching. But um, I watched the first 35 minutes of it and the mental imagery. And, and I actually that's, – that's one of my main focuses is mental imagery. Seeing the right pocket, seeing behind the pins, seeing be, uh, two or three or four boards right in the middle, like my, my standard line. And then I see it, I feel it. And I watch it and then I see behind the pins and that's my main starting point. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: And so that's something that I use, um, a mental imagery. It's not like you see yourself throwing the ball or anything. It's more or less just a direct line, but sometimes it actually gets me into trouble because instead of me, when I'm focusing on that line and I'm focusing on that path, sometimes I pop up because I'm still focused on behind the pins and I'm still focused farther on than I should be. Um, but yeah, like when you were, when you were having the interview, I really did like everything about it. Um, I liked how you guys were asking the right questions. Yeah, Adam. Uh, or but with the interviews overall, it was very well conducted, and the, the camera angles, I really like that. And um, it, 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 I think it'll definitely be helpful for a lot of younger players too. Like when they're watching this, if they're really into it and they want to figure it out, I know myself at that at like a younger age, I would have found that. And then I would have listened to it and I would have been like, okay, this guy's right. This, this, maybe this isn't what I do, but maybe I should try this and certain aspects. It's definitely going to help some people
5: get better. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I absolutely love your, when you met, talk about mental imagery, that's I hundred percent when I, when I'm playing really well, or I, I'm struggling, that's one thing I really try. And I, I learned that through Perry Gillum way back when, uh, just of, uh, just, I don't know, like I, I've talked about it before in the podcast, I, I find a line, and it's like a white line, a dark lane. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just follow that. Yeah. Um, I also follow, like, uh, I, always, I don't always think about pin splashes. When I'm playing really well, yep. I just visualize pin splashes. And I, it, it just positive reinforcement like that, I, I find it really big. Um, do you yeah. uh, do you ever
1: envision lasers coming out of your elbows? <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs>
5: no, I don't think you do, dude. Come on, Timmy, tell me you don't. <laughs> no, I, no, just my three seven bowling balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks guys. Thanks.
4: Yeah. I think <laughs> on the mental imagery side, I, I, I think I subconsciously do a little bit of it anyways. Right. But I I'd like to kind of tap into kind of the, the next level of it and see, see if I can kind of train my mind on a couple little things Cause I, I do see, you know, spots. I, I do see, you know, lines, you know, as it's coming into the pocket. I, yeah. I do see those, but it's not as consistent as I, I would like, I think, uh, where you kind of get locked in. But even when I get zoned, I don't think I get locked in on the that side, of it, like the imagery side of it. So I don't know. I, I think it's it's something that, uh, that my game is missing, something that might be able to take it to, to another level. And, you know, just, just want to... Yeah, I just want to see what else is out there for it. Do you see the ball – when you throw the ball, do you watch your ball hit your spot?
2: Uh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, not, I, the, not in the 16s. I very, very, very rarely ever do that. Yes. Never, like if ever. I never watch it go over my spot, and that's I, – I, I wish I did know how to do that because I think you could simplify a lot of things if you, if you did do that. Um, but a lot of times it's more me just seeing that line – and then when I throw it, I just feel it hit the line, you know what I mean? And then, and that's how I'm, that's how I'm using my mental imagery. But if I don't have a just a direct point and shoot, and I don't, I when I'm standing over to the far right, I'll feel it going, I'll want it to go in the right pocket. If I'm standing over to the left side, I'll feel it wanting to go in the left pocket. It's just, yeah.
4: it's, it's just the certain things that I do. Yeah. And, I know if I if I am staring at that spot, uh, my likelihood of finishing my shot to that target goes up exponentially yeah so so i definitely it, it, it's the goal i think but i i think once you kind of get three quarters of the way through the shot and you're both at the release i think it's just more natural than anything yeah um uh, but I, I think leading into the release i i think it's really important to at least visualize that target or see that target as long as you can it's uh, it's definitely so tough, man. Cause your
2: body wants to do so many different things. Mm-hmm. Your body wants to move around everywhere, right? You, you don't you're you're not in just that one standard spot. It's the same thing with a golfer, right? Like when they hit the ball, they watch the ball, or they watch the club hit the ball. Whereas we should watch the ball go over the spot. But, I mean, I imagine even for professionals, they pull off a little bit too, right? It's just natural. Um, but same thing. We just pull up. We push up. We pull to the side. And there's so many moving parts, right? Your body, your legs, your arms, your back, everything's doing something. So you, you can't, you can't possibly watch it all the time, but if you could, that would be the, the, the most beneficial thing for, for, for us. Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay. Right, guys, um, we'll wrap up the podcast here. We'll save those questions for next week's guest. Um, thanks, Mitch for coming on and uh, for the third time, I'm sure Greg DeGrazio will let us know how he feels. About that, but,
1: uh... <laughs> He'll tell us in person, but he, he won't say anything when he gets on
0: podcast.. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right guys, thanks for coming on. Thanks,
1: Thanks Mitch. guys. Thank you. Thanks.